Yehoshua was wearing filthy clothes. They were replaced with clean. The old garments were disposed. Great and mighty mountains will become plains. The second temple was rebuilt while Zerubbabel reigned. Okay, so this week's Parsha is Parshat Bahalotcha. And the Haftorah that we read for it is in Zechariah. Interestingly, we also read the same Haftorah um, for the Shabbos of Hanukkah. Um, so the Haftorah begins by talking about Rani v'simchi batzion, um, which means sing and be glad, daughter of Zion, because I, am, I God, am coming to dwell in your midst. Um, so... Why does it seem like the Jews at this point in time needed to sing and be glad? Why were they not singing and being glad to begin with? Because um, this Haftorah and, and Zechariah lived uh, at the beginning of the Second Temple period. And the Second Temple, disappointingly, did not have the same connection um, to God as the First Temple. So there were five different examples of the second temple not being as holy as the first temple. For example, um, one was that there was no holy ark with the Ten Commandments. Two, there was no Orim Vitumim. Three, there was no heavenly fire. Four, there was uh, the Shekhinah did not rest on the, um, uh, on the temple. And fifth, there was no Ruach HaKodesh uh, from the prophets. So there just wasn't the same kind of energy uh, spiritual energy around the second temple as there was the first. However, God is comforting um, the prophet Zechariah by saying that daughter of, of Zion, you should be glad and you should sing because I am actually going to dwell in your midst. Um, and there's two opinions as to what this means. One is it's talking about the western flame of the menorah that burned miraculously um, during the time of the, of the second temple period. So basically there was one miracle that the Western flame of the, of the, of the menorah burned miraculously. Um, so perhaps that's at least one miracle that was happening. However, um, there's another opinion that what this means to sing and be glad is actually talking about future times. It's talking about the coming of the Moshiach and the third temple period, uh, in the future, uh, Bimhera Vyaminu. So, um, Moving on, so then the Haftorah kind of shifts topics to talking about um, how, or, or sorry, it continues on the same topic by talking about how uh, in, in times of the Moshiach, many other nations will uh, join themselves to God, but despite the fact that all the other nations will eventually come to understand um, and, and, and worship basically the Jewish God, um, Hashem will, even, even though they all will eventually come to, to choose God, God will continue to choose the Jewish people as his chosen people and Yerushalayim as his chosen city. And then the Torah says that, um, be silent all flesh before Hashem. And what this means is, is basically that other nations, they, it's kind of warning other nations that other nations should not mess with um, the relationship between the Jewish people and God, um, and uh, because otherwise they will be silenced by God. All flesh will be silenced. And the Gemara in Sanhedrin says, um, 
uh, a, a comparison to what would happen to the Jews if it's what would happen to the non-Jews if they basically mess with these mess with the relationship between the the Jews and God. Sanhedrin says it's like messing with um, a, a lion and a lioness while they're mating. So uh, understandably, that would not be a very comfortable situation. And similarly. Um, it, it, uh, the Sanhedrin is warning non-Jewish nations to not mess with the Jewish people uh, because they will be treated like a person that messes with a lion and a lioness while they're mating. Uh, moving on, so Yehoshua, the Kohen, Gadol at the time, now the Haftorah shifts to talking about Yehoshua, um, and he was the Kohen Gadol at the time of the second Beit HaMikdash. And, um, however, his, his sons married non-Jewish women during the Babylonian exile. And uh, Yehoshua, shockingly, did not protest the fact that his sons married these non-Jewish women. And, um, and, and the Haftorah says, Zechariah says, that the Satan, who, um, the Satan is this uh, angel that, basically the prosecuting angel against the sins of the Jewish people, the Satan will be standing to Yehoshua's right, uh, right side to accuse Yehoshua. And, um, and this accusation basically prevents the Shekhinah from resting with the second temple. And perhaps the Satan is, is arguing that Yehoshua is unworthy of being the Kohen Gadol because he did not properly criticize um, his own sons for marrying non-Jews. And the Chafetz Chaim here says something interesting. It says the Satan was standing on Yehoshua's right side. And normally bad things, evil things, are associated with left, with the left side, not the right side. So the Chafetz Chaim says the fact that the Satan in this case is standing on the right side is to symbolize that Yehoshua basically felt like he was doing everything right. So when the Satan's standing on your right side, it means that um, instead of it means that basically you're using what seems like feels right to you and using that for a bad purpose. This is similar to the, to the way that King David um, is critical of those who say that his ancestry isn't pure um, because he descends from Ruth, who was, uh, Ruth was, uh, was, was a Moabite. And uh, King David is saying, these people might seem like they are honest and fair people that are criticizing his ancestry, but with a reason why they're doing it um, is is for 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 non pure purposes. So just like those people that criticized King David, even though it seemed like what they their criticism was valid, so too Yehoshua he he maybe was making certain justifications for why his his sons married non Jewish women. Um, but it, and, and that's why the Satan was standing on his right side, not his left side, which is the side evil normally stands on his right side, because Yoshua was justifying to himself that actually the right thing to do was not to criticize his own sons. Um, however, so Hashem denounces the Satan, silences the prosecuting Satan, and says that um, Yoshua is like an Ud Mutsal Ma'ish which means a firebrand saved from fire. And what this means is basically that Yoshua he went through the Babylonian exile. He went through basically terrible things happening to him all around the Jewish people. There was a, it was a, there was a difficult time in the Babylonian exile. Um, and despite the Babylonian exile, 
it says that Yahushua was able to withstand it like a firebrand is saved from a fire. Basically, the exile did not diminish his, his greatness. Um, however, uh, the, it, he, he was wearing, the, the Haftorah says, that Yahushua had to remove his filthy clothing. And why was his clothing filthy? It was because clothing is exterior. Clothing is something that you wear on the outside. So even though it's true, Ud Mutzal Me'ish, even though it's true that Yahushua was like this firebrand that was saved from fire, even though there was negative influences, he himself on his inside never changed. His outside was changed. His, the filthy clothing is symbolic, the commentaries say, the filthy clothing is symbolic of his sons, who, in fact, they were dirty. Um, his sons married non-Jews. And because his sons married non-Jews, and that's his sons are like kind of external to him, it's as if he was wearing dirty clothing. So on the inside, he wasn't corrupt, but on the outside, he was. Um, and that's why he had to remove his filthy clothing. And, um, and then it says, now that I've removed iniquity, and dressed you in clean clothes. And what this means is Yahushua's sons actually repented and they divorced their non-Jewish wives. And now that they not they divorced their non-Jewish wives, now Yahushua is able to uh, basically have a clean exterior again um, and wear clean clothes, so to speak, because his own sons are no longer sinning by marrying these non-Jewish women. Um, then uh, it goes on to say that he will put a that that God will put a pure turban on uh, Yahushua's head and dress him with the rest of the big day uh, kahuna, the rest of the 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 Kohen Gadol's clothing. Um, and the message here being is that um, the lineage of Tzadok it was will, will never uh, turn to idolatry, and Yahushua was a descendant of Tzadok, and so are his sons, obviously. So. Therefore, because his sons eventually ended up repenting and uh, divorced their non-Jewish wives, then therefore um, the lineage of Sadok will never be forsaken. And then the Haftorah says, if Yahushua follows the mitzvot, he can confidently walk among the angels that stood in the Beit HaMikdash. So um, only, it's basically the only way that Yahushua can again become Kohen Gadol and walk around the walk in the base of Migdash in, in areas that are as holy as the as the holy temple, um, Yahushua must agree to follow its vote because if he doesn't, if he kind of regresses back to the point where he didn't even criticize his own sons for marrying non-Jews, then he won't be able to uh, to, to retain his position. Then Yahushua, then it's the Torah says that Yahushua and uh, and and his friends, his, his chevra, they um, are worthy of miracles because they believed that Hashem will bring um, the tzemach. And what is the tzemach? The tzemach is a reference to basically the seed of the Moshiach. So the tzemach is said, it's said to grow slowly. It's, it's, it's something like uh, an acorn that eventually becomes this massive oak tree. Um, just as if you look at an acorn, you never imagine a lowly, small, little, tiny acorn could become a giant oak tree. Um, similarly, you couldn't imagine that that the tzemach, that the root of basically the the moshiach, um, will come from such a lowly place. However, Yoshua and his 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 friend group, they're worthy of miracles because they did believe that the moshiach would come even from a lowly place. Then it says that um, there was a stone before Yehoshua, 
and it was watched with seven eyes. And the commentaries say this is a reference to the Beit HaMikdash, that even though basically the outside world sort of ignored the Beit HaMikdash in the times of the Second Temple, um, the seven eyes watching it is a reference to the fact that basically the uh, God will preserve the Beit HaMikdash, even though it's not really cared for, as if it was watched by seven eyes. As to why exactly seven eyes, I'm not really sure. Maybe that's a Kabbalistic idea. Um, and then in um, the times of the Moshiach, uh, God will invite his friends um, under, basically, uh, God will make it so uh, people will invite their friends under vines and fig trees. Um, and basically, this is uh, symbolic of the fact that there won't be a rivalry. Normally, if there's rivalry and animosity and conflict between people, they won't invite each other uh, to their own yard, to their own backyard. And it's saying in the times of the Moshiach, people will not feel rivalry for each other and uh, war won't happen anymore. And this is similar, the commentaries say, to when King Shlomo ruled, um, that he almost attained, a t uh, during King Shlomo's uh, kingship, it was almost a time where um, fellow people, they were inviting each other uh, under their own fig trees, under their own sort of rooftops, uh, and didn't feel any rivalry towards each other. Um, now we get to the last part of the Haftorah that talks about really the connection to Baalotcha in the, in the Torah portion. So in the Parsha of Baalotcha, it begins by talking about the menorah that was, that was used in the Mishkan. And here it's talking about the menorah in the bit of Mikdash, that the menorah is described as being entirely made of gold, having seven lamps, having, uh, and, and most fascinatingly, having two olive trees that basically miraculously um, would squeeze themselves into olive oil and continuously feed the menorah, um, feed, feed the olive oil into the menorah to continuously have it being lit. And Zechariah asks, what are these? Um, and the angel of God responds, don't you know what they are? And Zechariah says, lo adoni, no, I don't understand it, my Lord. Um, so it's kind of a, a strange um, back and forth here. Zechariah doesn't, seems like he doesn't understand the menorah. And the angel says, how do you not understand what the menorah is? And the Zechariah says, I don't understand it. Um, and then it seems like the angel answers what the, what he's seeing with the menorah. Hashem, um, uh, it, it's the angel responds that Hashem spoke to Zerubbabel and Zerubbabel at the time was the king um, of the land. And he, and, and Zerubbabel, he wanted to build the second Beit HaMikdash. However, um, uh, the God warns that it's not going to be through army or through koach, through strength, that Zerubbabel will be able to build the second Beit HaMikdash. However, it's going to be through Hashem's Ruach, Hashem's spirit. And um, if you, through Hashem's spirit, great mountains will become like plains before Zerubbabel. And this is referring to, the commentaries say, this is referring to um, King Ach Ahasuerus. If that's ringing any bells, that's because he's from the Purim story. That same king, King Ahasuerus, he at one point refused for the Jews to be able to build the, the, the second Beit HaMikdash. However, after the Purim story, um, he changed his mind and allowed the Jews to build the Beit HaMikdash and that's what it's talking about. So, um, basically, King Ahasuerus was the leader, uh, the trem a tremendous leader of the Persian Empire. How is it possible? He seemed like a great mountain. He see it seemed like an insurmountable challenge to ever build the second Beit Hamikdash. However, um, 
since the Jews believed in, in God's spirit, then basically the great mountain, the insurmountable mountain that was the fact that King Ahasuerus refused to allow the Jews to build the second Beit HaMikdash, that all changed and became like a plain um, before Zerubbabel. And ultimately Zerubbabel was able to build the second Beit HaMikdash. Then the Haftorah ends by talking about there were cheers of Hain Hain, which means grace, grace. Um, and this is a reference to the third temple period, the, the um, coming of the Moshiach, that there will be grace and gratitude for the Moshiach, Bimher uh, Yamenu. So to recap what I talked about, the Aftor begins by talking, by saying, Rini v'simchi batzion, sing and be glad, the daughter of, of Zion, um, for I am coming to dwell in your midst. And I spoke about how this Aftor is also read on the Shabbos of, of Hanukkah. Um, so, but, so what this means by sing and be glad um, is implying that the Jews at this point in time were not singing and were not glad. Why were they not singing and not glad? It's because in the times of the second Beit HaMikdash, they were not as holy as the first Beit HaMikdash. The second Beit HaMikdash, unlike the first Beit HaMikdash, the second one um, had no holy ark with the commandments. They had no orim v'tumim, they had no heavenly fire, there was no shekhinah, and there was no ruach HaKodesh from the prophets at the time. Um, however, the God is saying, don't worry, um, uh, you know, you should still be able to sing and be glad. So why should you sing and be glad? There are two reasons that the commentaries say. One reason is because in the second Beit HaMikdash time, there was one sign of the Holy Spirit of the second Beit HaMikdash. That one sign was the fact that um, there was a western flame of the menorah that burned miraculously um, with, with very little oil. Or the, perhaps the second uh, thing it could be talking about, you should be singing and be glad, is not talking about the second Beit HaMikdash, rather it's talking about the third Beit HaMikdash um, in the times of the coming of the Moshiach, Bimher Yaminu. So then um, the Aftorah says, in the times of the Moshiach, many nations will join themselves um, to Hashem and will recognize that God, that the Jewish God is the true God. However, even despite the fact that God will have an, a lot of nations to choose from that all believe in him, God will continue to choose the Jewish people and continue to choose Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem as the chosen city. And then the Aftorah says, be silent all flesh before God. And what this means is, is that basically all other nations um, will be silent and will not mess with the Jewish people. Um, and the Gemara and Sanhedrin says the reason for this is because it's like if the if another nation were to mess with the Jewish people, it's as if um, a person would be messing with uh, a lion and a lioness while they're mating. That's how close the relationship is between God and the Jewish people, um, and th that would be the consequence of 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 um, interfering with a lion and a lioness while they're mating. That would be like interfering with the Jews and God in the coming of the Moshiach. So then the Haftorah shifts to talking about Yehoshua, uh, who was the Kohen Gadol at the time. However, his sons during the Babylonian exile, his sons married non-Jewish women. And Yehoshua shockingly did not protest the fact that his sons did not argue with his sons um, uh, and, and allowed them to marry non-Jews. And the Satan, the prosecuting angel, he was standing to the right of Yehoshua and accusing him and basically arguing that he was unworthy of being the Kohen Gadol because he didn't protest the fact that his sons married non-Jews. And the Chafetz Chaim says that 
you know, the reason that the Satan was standing on Yahushua's right is because um, normally the bad things like the Satan, like the prosecuting angel, are on a person's left side. Left is usually associated with bad. However, if the if the Satan is on Yahushua's right side, this is this means that basically um, Yahushua was sort of justifying to himself why it was actually the right thing to do to marry for his sons to marry non-Jews. And this idea that basically the satan, the, the evil inclination, can come in two forms. It can either be wicked, basically tell you, telling you to do evil things, or it can tell you that, um, you know, you should, that the correct thing to do is actually the evil thing. Um, and that was happening here, that it was standing on Yoshua's right, because Yoshua must have felt like the right thing to do was to allow his sons to marry non-Jews, even though that was obviously incorrect. Um, then Hashem actually denounces the Satan, though, and says, Yoshua is like an Ud Mutzal Me'ish, a firebrand that's saved from fire. And the idea here being is that Yoshua, he went through the Babylonian exile, and he stayed in, inside, in his panemius, in his insides, he stayed true to who he was. However, the Haftorah says that he was wearing filthy clothing, and he wasn't literally wearing filthy clothing. Filthy clothing is symbolic of the fact that his exterior, the things he was wearing on the outside, his clothing, they were impure. They were dirty. And that's from the fact that his sons, as I mentioned, married non-Jews. So his sons were like his external. His sons were something outside of him. Um, nevertheless, they married non-Jews, so his clothing was dirty. Inside, he was pure, but his clothing was dirty. Um, however, though, the Aftorah says that I removed these filthy clothing from you and dressed you in clean clothes. And this is because Yahushua's sons ultimately repented and they uh, divorced their non-Jewish wives. So then uh, the Aftorah says that I'll put a pure turban on your head and I, um, I'll dress in, and he dressed Yahushua in the rest of the the big day kahuna and the rest of the Kohen Gadol's clothing. And the idea being that now that his sons repented, now Yoshua can be the Kohen Gadol. And it says that if Yoshua follows all the mitzvot, he can confidently walk, confidently walk among the angels that would stand in the Beit HaMikdash. So um, it basically is so long as uh, Yoshua continues to follow the mitzvot and uh, would rep, you know, will reprimand his sons in the future if they do something wrong, then um, and then and only then, Yoshua will be will be able to confidently walk among um, the, the 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 holy sanctuary of the Beit Hamikdash. Then Yoshua and his his chevra, his friends, they um, the Aftorah says they're worthy of miracles because they believe that Hashem will bring the tzemach. And what is the tzemach? The tzemach is basically the seed of the Moshiach. So it's like looking at a an acorn and envisioning. Um, that this will one day turn into a huge oak tree. And similarly, that Semach is this little, basically, glimmer of hope, this little sapling um, that seems like a nothing for right now that will eventually turn into the coming of the Moshiach. And Yoshua and his friends believed that the little Semach would eventually come to become the Moshiach in uh, one day. So then it talks about how the stone before Yoshua um, was watched by seven eyes. What this is referring to is the Beit Migdash will be preserved and watched by God. And again, I'm not 100% sure what those what seven eyes is referring to, but basically the general idea that it will be watched by God. And then it talks about how in Moshiach, in the times of the Moshiach, God will invite, or, or people will invite their friends over under vine trees and fig trees. And the idea being is that 
people won't feel animosity towards each other towards uh, each other they'll be free of rivalry and war and um uh, the commentaries say that King Shlomo almost had this, that during King Shlomo's time, people would also invite each other over to their fig trees, being that basically they weren't jealous, they weren't uh, rivals with each other. Then the Haftorah shifts to basically what, why we, to the fact of why we read Baalotcha, uh, for why we read this Haftorah for Parshas Baalotcha, and, the, and again, and, and, uh, why we read it for Shabbos Hanukkah. The reason is, is because it talks about the menorah. Um, the menorah is described here as being completely made in gold with seven lamps, and there were two olive trees that continuously, basically, uh, and miraculously squeezed themselves into olive oil, and um, that olive oil would run miraculously into the uh, menorah and light the menorah continuously without ever having to fill it with olive oil, uh, the, these two olive trees on either side of the, olive, uh, of the menorah would miraculously feed oil uh, into the menorah. And Zechariah asks, um, what are these? Um, and the, the angel of God responds, do you not know what they are? Zechariah says, lo Adoni, I, I don't know what they are, my Lord. And it's not exactly clear what is going on here, but I guess the angel of God responds, what you're seeing by the menorah is the fact that... Um, Zerubbabel, who was the king at the time, um, he wanted to build the second Beit HaMikdash, and, um, and the second Beit HaMikdash, it will not be built through army or through koach, through strength, but rather it will be built through um, Hashem's spirit, and that great mountains uh, will become like plains before Zerubbabel. And the message here being is that this great mountain, this overcoming obstacle, like a great mountain, was that King Ahasuerus from the Purim story at first refused to allow the Jews to build the second Beit HaMikdash. However, eventually um, he lets them build the second Beit HaMikdash and, um, and uh, through basically at the end of the Purim story, Ahasuerus allows the Jews to build, uh, to begin building the second Beit HaMikdash and that was how sort of this great mountain, this over this this uh, this obstacle that seems insurmountable, um, uh, namely the fact that King Ahasuerus refused to allow the Jews to build the Beit Hamikdash. Um, ultimately, that that flipped, that was leveled, that became like nothing more than than just a, a flat plain. Uh, the great mountain that was Ahasuerus completely was decimated into a plain. Um, and before Zerubbabel, meaning Zerubbabel was able to build the second Beit Migdash. Then uh, the Aftorah ends by saying that there were cheers of Hain Hain, of Greece, Greece. Um, and what's, what's this talking about? This is referring to the third Beit Migdash, that when the third Beit Migdash is built, there will be cheers of gratitude for the coming of the Moshiach, and with that, I will read my poem. So, Yehoshua was wearing filthy clothes. They were replaced with clean. The old garments were disposed. Great and mighty mountains will become plains. The second temple was rebuilt while Zerubbabel reigned. And with that, L'chaim L'chaim, and this has been the whole Torah.